Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with the executive editor of Newsbusters, your host, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome to a momentous day in American history and liberal media bias. It's the Newsbusters podcast. We are here uh, just a little bit amazed that this decision came down because I think we were guessing that uh, Alito's decision was somehow going to come across a little bit watered down or moderated or something once John Roberts got in there. Joining me today, Research Director Scott Whitlock uh, and... and uh, we were, I mean, how many of these days have we had where we were like, uh-oh, here comes 10 o'clock, it could be today. This is like day five of this. We, we've had a lot of them, yeah. We had, uh, first off, always happy to be here. But, <laughs> um, yeah, day after day where we're all kind of uh, watching this SCOTUS blog uh, uh, response and they're kind of putting out the, the, the decisions and we keep waiting and waiting. And then I would send out an email saying, nope, not today. And then it was today. It was today. And I I guess I think the conventional wisdom would be, well, don't do it on a Friday. That could mean if, they, if, the, if the left was promising a night of rage, now you get a weekend of rage. I mean, right. I think, we were, I think we were all surprised, particularly that it was this Friday, because they still have eight decisions left. Some of them that are also big cases, none of them that are as big as this one, but still there's some big ones left. So it's surprising this was not last. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a riot over the football coach preying on the field. <laughs> no. Good case, interesting case, but this was the big enchilada in terms of, uh, we're going to get into a little later what Scott's been doing with the group Jane's Revenge. But first, let's just start on a more generic I'm a, a lament, and that is, Sometimes when you do what we do, we don't really get to sit here for a moment and say, "Wow, this is this was a good day." <laughs> yeah, it, it. I mean, it, it was. It, it's kind of amazing. Some uh, conservatives have been fighting for this, working for this for fifty years, and to see that this is the day that it's actually happened, I think really. The pro-life movement, conservatives, people who went out and marched and uh, went door knocking, all those people who worked for this, they should kind of take a moment to really appreciate what a victory this is. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, uh, as a reporter, covered the March for Life. And of course, I've just I've also gone down as a media critic. And the March for Life that's been taking place in January, there's neat talk today about now doing the March for Life on June 24. Oh, wow. <laughs> I like. Because it's warmer. Right, right. right. Uh, but I mean, it's, it is, the march has always been a, uh, talk about a mostly peaceful. I mean, it's a peaceful protest. There's a little bit of anger in there, but always the, the vibe of it was very positive. Um, and that to me strikes quite a contrast with what we're seeing over on the uh, on the Hill today. Um, and certainly it, it's a contrast with what we were seeing in the media. So uh, obviously we, we have seen what we expected, which was a, a bit of a meltdown. Um, you in particular, where we, you know, everybody had a network, you were looking at Chuck Todd. So let's start there. You know, it's interesting. Just, just take a, let's take a step back and just think about the, the consequential actions of this week. Um, the gun, the two Supreme Court rulings that sort of, sort of uh, that undid one law was 110 years old. This one is 50 years old. You have what former President Trump 
attempted to do to the democracy. We learned that in chilling detail uh, all of the last couple of weeks. Yesterday in particular, are arguably two hours away from a massive constitutional crisis. Throw in what the divisiveness that, that Donald Trump has created in the immigration debate. And you really can't help but look back at 2016, that election, and the entrance of Donald Trump into our politics, and he really has sort of shattered a lot of the stability we had in American society. He has been the linchpin of shattering our stability on, on reproductive rights, our stability on, um, on immigration, our stability even in some ways, uh, obviously, on the democracy. And we're, we're in a rough place as a country and as a society. We're not just polarized. Um, we're divided in ways that, that, that feels so fundamental and you're not sure how we bring each other back. We are divided in our information silos. So look, I'm very concerned about the fallout from all of what we've seen just this week. Former president could be put on trial. Um, this is, we're a tinderbox right now. And, and, I, and I think our, um, our elected leaders, particularly on the right, um, are, are, are put some blinders on and have, and have not fully appreciated what's been unleashed on our society. Well, Chuck Todd, I think meltdown was the right word because he kind of alternated back and forth from attacking the Supreme Court. Uh, he was very angry, basically, that uh, Neil Gorsuch and Amy Coney Barrett are on the court. He said it was unfair, that they shouldn't have been there, kind of rehashing this, this old argument that we've got from the left that, like, the court is uh, illegitimate. And so there was there was anger for him uh, there and just kind of anger at, at the decision, anger at – he compared it – he brought up immigration. Yeah. He, he brought up uh, January 6th and, and kind of tied this all together as in some way almost like the end of democracy. And there was – he wasn't crying. It wasn't like some of the people on election night 2016, but there was definitely some emotion in – um, in his voice. And you can tell just watching any of these uh, networks that they are, they're very upset about it. And it's really hard for them to cover that. Well, and I think what Chuck Todd was trying to do was he was suggesting, you know, the country's a tinderbox. And, you know, I what I'm smelling in this is Trump. And that is Trump named these three justices. Trump caused somehow disorder at the border, which of course would be a complete, <laughs> a complete reversal of what's actually happened. You know, is that the, the they they don't want to touch the border situation as you have done multiple studies showing a lot of months they do zero on the border. So if there's a crisis at the border, you wouldn't know it from watching the networks. Um, but just that whole notion that yeah, between January six, which is which was frightening, this is not frightening. Right. This is a good day. But yes, they the liberals always track out this thing where they try to say, well. Uh, since since Trump wasn't elected with the you know with the popular vote, and then they they'd say George W. Bush wasn't elected with the popular vote, and this sort of thing, and they named people, and it's like well no actually George W. Bush was nominated was won the popular vote in '04 and then named two justices, so you can't crab about that. I understand the complaint about Scalia dies, and then they're like nope not this year, you know, and then and so so I understand that. But we're all sitting here today going, well, gee, if you'd been able to talk Ruth Bader Ginsburg into retiring <laughs> under Obama. Right, right. And and some of the response is, 
look, they're discovering judicial activism. Terry Moran was essentially ranting about how this was an example of of just that, that they become politicians in black robes, which is exactly what uh, Mark Levin was saying about uh, judicial activism, activism on the left. And, and yeah, there's also this kind of issue, this cognitive, cognitive dissonance where just yesterday we were talking about the Supreme Court struck down a 110-year-old New York law, and they're not going to let New York have the gun lo- control laws that they want. And and now they're complaining about we're going to have this uh, patchwork. Patchwork. Patchwork is the, is their favorite word. Patchwork of laws across the country, and and some laws abortion will be illegal, and some laws it will be partially illegal, and some laws uh, states it will be legal. And so, well, it's like, well, which is it? Is is that okay or not? It really just seems to depend with the media based on you know what we're talking about. Yesterday with gun control, they you know th- they want those state laws to be left alone. And so, yeah, we had um, CNN had some crying, um, uh, you know, crying on behalf of the women, and they MSNBC Joyce Vance was calling it a very dark day in America. It's a very dark day in America. You cannot overstate this. I'm not sure we all fully appreciated how devastating it would feel to see the words on the paper condemning women to second-class citizenship. Yeah, uh, you know. So I mean, that is the overwhelming thing. I think the other thing that we should really state, as we watch it in real time today, was, and and I think this happened earlier in the year. You you somehow have this breakout, and we're a little shocked to see it. Where pro life leaders are actually getting interviewed today. So we're seeing some Kristen Hawkins of Students for Life, and we're seeing some Gene Mancini from the March for Life. It's it's. It shouldn't be surprising, and it shouldn't maybe get praise, but it's like, oh, there's another side to this. Yeah, it is kind of amazing. and But I think part of it is just is something you had said earlier, uh, which was essentially that this is so momentous and so huge, and it's kind of an acknowledgement of the fact that the pro-life movement and conservatives have been working for this for 50 years, really since Roe v. Wade was handed down. So... I don't know if I would call it grudging respect, but I think there's at least that kind of acknowledgement of how hard conservatives and pro-lifers have been working for this. And so they're they're being put on the air now, whether or not that'll continue or this whether this is going to quickly shift into condemnatory language, I think we'll have to see. But yeah, right now, it's, it's surprising to see some of them are out there. So we'll be looking into the weekend at how they cover this in the evening newscasts and the morning newscasts and and you know, hopefully, this will continue, and we'll get some some pro life sound bites. I thought one of the one of the things I found kind of interesting was Nora O'Donnell was talking to Gene Mancini, and she was like, "Well, I I hope you people are going to do something for the women." And then it's sort of like, "Let me explain to you what the pregnancy resource centers do. You know, let right. me talk to you about right. unwed." Homes for Unwed Mothers. I mean, this is already going on. It's like, yes, oh, remember the things that you people firebomb and throw paint blood on their doors? Yeah, that's what that's people trying to take care of women. She, and of course, Mancini, she wasn't, she didn't go with the swagger on that, <laughs> like the way I might have. Uh, but she was able to calmly explain, we're doing this across the country. We're already doing this, exactly. So, I mean, I, I think that they're, that's sort of the sour grapes question. It wasn't even a question coming out of Nora O'Donnell. It was more like resentment 
um, which I, you know, again, conservative leaders, when they show up on networks, they know this is what they're going to get. You know, they know that they're going to get some hostility. And and I think it's fun to hear them respond and in sort of a calm a calmer way than I would respond. <laughs> well, it, it, it is funny because, yes, that is the oldest kind of canard that the, the left and the liberal media types will trot out, which is this idea of oh, pro-lifers be, believe life begins at conception and ends at birth. They, they say that all the time as if that once a baby is born, pro-lifers and conservatives don't care. And it's just so not true. If you look at all these organizations out there that are they they love babies and they love life and they they no they don't stop caring once these babies are born. I think what's funny about that is it's always seemed a little backwards to me because if you're going to play that kind of rhetorical game, you want to say, oh okay, so the ones that make it out of the womb you care about, but you right. didn't care about them when they were in the womb. That 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 whole argument really goes both ways. It's like I don't think you that argument has the heft you think it does. <laughs> You know, it's like how many millions of, you know, 60, what, what's our estimated? 60 million abortions, so, yeah. 65 million abortions, right. you know, and, and they've been whining about the Texas law for months and somebody, there was something today that talking about the tens of thousands of babies that were born that wouldn't have been born. And that's the kind of thing that makes a liberal journalist upset. It reminds you of, what was it? Rush Limbaugh said, a feminazi is the type of person who's unhappy when an abortion doesn't occur. Right. <laughs> right. Well, you, you just you know, made me think of the, the Washington Post story that we were all talking about and people were talking about on Twitter. It, it was, I, I, a lot of uh, people called it the most unintentionally pro-life article you'll, you'll ever read, which was essentially about how you know, this woman, um, the Texas law it was either about to take place. Yeah, it was about to go into effect and she didn't have an abortion and now she has twins. And it's like, yeah, exactly. And now the, these two little babies are alive. And, and I think when people see the, the real world impact of, you know, these these babies are in the world now and they might not otherwise have been, that makes a real difference. It does. And so... Um, one of the other things we would recommend to you is uh, MRC Culture. Uh, Nick Kangadis has a roundup of the leftists spontaneously combusting after the decision with all of your favorites, Alyssa Milano, Rob Reiner, right. Bette Midler. <laughs> yeah, the uh, usual crew. Oh, and Monica Lewinsky. Oh. The anti-bullying advocate Monica Lewinsky saying F Alito, F Thomas, F Cody Barrett, you know, night. Nice, nice mouth on you. I, I saw Keith Overman is melting down again on Twitter. He, you know, that's that and YouTube are his only places to sort of scream into the void now. But he's very angry. That's our debate. Do we still care about Olbermann? I'm like, well, when he's losing, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I, I still think that it's, um, you know, the question I have, especially when he was basically talking about let's dissolve the Supreme Court, and you want to say, look. This is something we're also going to be following in the days to come, and that is you're, you might ruin your January 6th narrative with all of the insurrection against the Supreme Court and saying ignore the court, overthrow the court, uh, dissolve the court, that's Oberman, Maxine Waters, we're not accepting this court. This is How is that different than the spirit of what you're describing from the rioters on January 6th? Yeah, it is. It is really very similar. And and with Oberman, a lot of 
history nerd conservatives were making the jokes about, wow, I, I wouldn't have guessed Keith Oberman coming out for nullification and sounding like Jefferson Davis or some confederate. But that's Andrew, you, Andrew Jackson, wasn't that the yeah. thing everybody was doing? Right. Uh, so let's turn to sort of the future and hoping that the future isn't too violent. Um, uh, one of the things that they haven't been noting is that groups like Ruth Sent Us, which was putting out the addresses of the justices, and this group Jane's Revenge, which is getting increasingly nasty. Um, and so uh, you set out to say, hey, let's see how much the networks have covered this. Let's see how many, many times they've actually mentioned it. Right, yeah. Sometimes the kind of the simplest study or, or there's something, the simplest thing we can explain to people is something like this, which is, have they said the name of Jane's Revenge? And the answer is no, they have not. And Jeez. so for the networks, there's 77 seconds of coverage of acts of violence against pro-life organizations and things like that. So there, there's, there's a snippet of coverage, but no mention at all of this group Jane's Revenge. And I think that's key because who exactly Jane's Revenge is and who... Um, their group is made up of is a little unclear. It's a little bit like that group anonymous. However, we do know that they exist. We do know that they are attacking, firebombing pro-life organizations, arson, all sorts of things. Those are all being done in Jane's Revenge. And part of the reason we know is because they spray paint their name on the wall. Jane was here. Jane was here. That's right. And that's been in, in Buffalo and in Oregon and Wisconsin, uh, North Carolina, all different parts of the country. And so yet yeah, their name is not getting mentioned at all. And I think it doesn't take much to realize that if we just reverse the ideology, and this was some right-wing organization, that we would be hearing a lot, and we're not. Well, I mean, yes, just say the words Proud Boys. Right. Just say the words Oath Keepers. Um, you know, those are things that you'll, there'll be literally hundreds I mean, since these hearings began, there's hundreds of mentions of the Proud Boys. So you, this was the, I think this was the surprise part was, yes, the words Jane's Revenge have not been uttered on ABC, CBS, or NBC. And then it came up on CNN. This was the part that I really kind, find, kind of found amusing because it was like, well, if this is really a group, uh, and he was, and you know, how do we know it was them? And the guy goes... Yeah, I, I actually have that here. What makes you think it was this group's Jane, Jane's Revenge that attacked your facility? And Jim Harden, the guy who runs it, says, well, they left their signature calling card, number one, with their spray-painted message on the side of our building saying Jane was here. So I think that's a pretty good clue. Yeah. <laughs> that's me adding my sarcasm. Yeah, and then, and then she was like, well, if, if this group, if they're a group at all. And this is what bothers me, is that the left plays this game just like Antifa, where they're like, oh, we're a shadowy group. You can't track us. We are too disorganized for you to be able to denounce. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And so we're not praising some of the tone of CNN's coverage because it, it is this, this kind of skeptical, are you sure it's Jane's Revenge? But we do want to give them credit because that's at least better than not saying the name at all. At least CNN has said the words Jane's Revenge and talked about it and the networks aren't even doing that. And and up front in the study that Bill, my colleague Bill D'Agostino and I did, we we just excerpted from 
the the latest statement from Jane's Revenge, which is really kind of terrifying because yes. it says your 30 days are up and it says that what we do next is not going to just be uh, breaking windows and things that can be e easily cleaned up that we're going to escalate. And you don't have to be a genius to figure out what that means. That means violence, maybe death, maybe murder, but something like that. And now that we actually have this ruling that it's out, uh, this is a real issue. And God forbid something happens to some pro-lifer or some pro-life organization. But, you know, in the next few days or week, you know, if, if the media has not covered this at all. Yeah, I mean, I think that usually the record is, you know, the, the fact that they had barely covered this firebombing or Molotov cocktails in uh, in Madison. Um, it's like, yeah, their their standard must be until somebody goes to the hospital. Right. Or somebody dies. It's not news. And so, I mean, yes, this is not the way it works when the uh, when the uprising's on the other end. And so, you know, I think what we always want to suggest is could we please in the so-called objective media be uniformly against political violence? If if Chuck Todd's going to get out there and start, you know, speaking in tremulous voice about the tinderbox, uh, ask yourself, if you're against the country being a tinderbox, what are you doing to try to discourage violent groups of either on either side or violent centrists, <laughs> whatever it is? You know, I am ob obviously, I mean, a lot of times the media uses the word extreme to describe people who use extreme tactics like violence. So, yes, let, why don't you be against all those violent extremes? I, and I, that's what I think is missing. Right. And, and the President Biden, to his credit in his speech today, said, look, if you're going to protest, please, please be peaceful. Let's not have violence. Violence is not political speech. And so he's aware of it and he actually said it. And so some people watching, you know, who, who don't know about this because the mainstream media isn't covering him might be saying, what is he talking about? So, yeah, are the media going to cover that part of the speech? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that the um, uh, obviously Jen Psaki was asked about that or just when we were at the point of them demonstrating at the homes of justices, which is against federal law, although none of them were arrested for it. Um, I mean, probably because it's D.C. or it's the red state of Maryland. Montgomery County doesn't want to arrest protesters who haven't, right. you know, lobbed a firebomb. Uh, uh, but their whole uh, White House response was, well, we encourage peaceful street protest. You know, they didn't they did not want to get on the wrong way and the wrong side of the uh, of the left wing protesters. And but now I think, yes, they. I think they can take they can look at this statement from Jane's Revenge. They can see that it's actually quite real that there could be rioting. So they at least want to get out ahead of that and say this was not encouraged by the White House. Right, right. So these are the things we're going to be working on. Uh, we're going to run back and do some more of that, but we just wanted to pop in today. We'll have more on this issue as, as we go along. And so to keep up to date with all of the... Uh, the post-row media bias, you come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening.